This is Kim Balorchi, and you're listening to Boldly Stated. So today I am beyond thrilled to have my dear friend and very brilliant time and stress management coach and consultant, Jill Farmer, joining me. And today we're going to be talking about something that is, I think, on everyone's minds right now. We're living in this time of increased stress, and we're finding ourselves overwhelmed by information, overwhelmed by life, overwhelmed by challenges. And a lot of us are feeling like the things we usually do to reduce stress are simply not working. And so it feels a little bit like hitting your head against the wall where we keep trying the same things that have always worked and it's not producing the same result. So today we're going to talk about different ways we can stay really steady in challenging times. And Jill, I am so excited to have your wise input on this because you are truly an expert in this area. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I do love talking about this. Um, And it is, we are in this giant pressure cooker and a lot of people are experiencing an amplification, if you will. Like if if before I would get frustrated by something and it would be a, you know, a, a two or three on the dial, it feels like it's like screaming in my ears sometimes at this point. And I think that's that that amplification, something that used to be a little irritating becomes maddeningly frustrating. That's something that a lot of people have been experiencing. And the the thing that I've heard um, psychologists say that I have that I think makes a lot of sense to me is it's kind of like we have this app running in the background of our phone that's draining our battery down and making it not work as well. But right now we don't have the capability to take that app off our phone that's causing it to, to drain that battery faster. So knowing that, you know, we can't just make COVID disappear or make that app, if you will, draining our battery disappear, it's important for us to kind of understand that we do have some limited capacity right now. Now is not the time to do all the big things <laughs> and to have yeah. the capacity to do that. And I think that's, um, it's just a good thing. It's not an excuse. It's not, oh, it's terrible. It's just, a, it's just a noticing, you know, sometimes we have more energy than others. And this is a particular time where we probably don't have the same capacity that we did a year ago. No question. I think it's a good thing to pay attention to, right? Because I'm one of those people who didn't even realize that apps were running in the back of my phone and draining my battery. Literally, my kids had to say, you know, the reason your battery's dying is because you have all these things happening. So it's kind of a hilarious metaphor. Um, for, for life, I think if we don't take a second and realize that we're under incredible pressure and we have these external stressors that we've never had before, even as it starts to feel, I don't want to use the word normal, but but in some ways we're getting used to life under this kind of constant pressure. I think we're we're starting to feel like we're supposed to be handling it better than maybe we were a few months ago. And that capacity does shift, and we do find ourselves able to, you know, understand things a little bit better, and 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 we don't, maybe not as reactionary. But yes, it is. It's still there. And it's okay to acknowledge that it's still there and to just kind of be honest with yourself, how you feel physically and emotionally, and to sort of make decisions um, based on what your actual capacity is, not what, not, you know, to use the term from 12 step terms, not shooting all over yourself, (laughs) S-H-O-U-L-D-ing all over yourself um, because you feel like you're not doing enough. You know, it, it sounds like we need some new tools, right? Because the old ones are not working. And the alternative is to essentially do nothing and give up. And we know that's not a healthy place for us to be. So help us, help us learn, 
you know, what are some things we can do to improve the situation where we can manage our stress in ways that, that feel better, where we actually feel like we're making some progress? We're trying to avoid spinning out, right? Because we get in that spinny, stuck energy of, ah, where we're still really tired, but not actually producing anything or doing anything that matters or in that shutdown mode. That's, those are two places that I see stress kind of driving us. So um, this is a good time. Grab a pen and paper if you're listening, but <laughs> because there's just three really simple things that can be kind of home base um, tools that you can sort of go, okay, I'm feeling really stressed out about, you know, today, or I'm noticing, I don't even have an incident that's stressing me out. I'm feeling stressed. Here's, these are three ways that I have um, seen work really well now with clients, uh, with myself, with family, with friends. The first one is number one is simply, I call it acknowledge. Okay. Well, what do I mean by that? That means acknowledge that what we talked about earlier, what your capacity is and acknowledge what feelings you're having. I see a lot of people not wanting to feel their feelings during this time, which means one of two things, either they are suppressing stuff and it's coming out sideways, right? So they're feeling something, but then they're you know yelling at their kids or at their spouse or whatever, because they're not processing the feelings or they're they're not actually processing the feelings. So they're just constantly reacting and they're having their feelings at other people, which mm-hmm. tends to exacerbate the stress level of those around us. So I, it's something that we tend to not be so great at as human beings. It's something I was terrible at it. It's taken practice, but here's how it looks. Oh, I wake up and I'm feeling some, what I would describe as anxiety. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm a little afraid of X today. I'm afraid about whatever. By naming that feeling, acknowledging that I'm having that feeling, I can, um, I don't have to like announce to the world what I'm feeling, right? That's the other thing. People think they need to get on Facebook and unprocessed say, I'm having a feeling world, or I don't have to have that feeling at somebody else. <clears throat> I'm just naming it so I can process it. So a, a, a quick example of that is I had a client who got a, an email and it was just a nasty email from her boss. And she's pretty high up in the company. He's the CEO. And it was vitriolic and, and, and unkind and snappy and, and mean. <laughs> and she reached out and said, I think I'm going to quit. I've had it. I'm over, I, I've been doing my best and just very, and this was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I just um, said, you can quit your job, your life. You do happen to like this work. You feel appreciated generally. Over, overall, you have good relationships. So let's pause for a second. Name what you're feeling. So she was feeling hurt, anger, frustration. I said, all of those feelings have a right to life. I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk about why you should or shouldn't have any of those feelings. But I would love for you to feel and process those feelings first before you make a move. So you don't act from the feeling. So the feeling is not the catalyst for action, but you acknowledge and feel those feelings and then take action afterwards. So, so she's like, I don't know, how do I do that? And I was like, I would go, you know, she likes to take a brisk walk. I was like, go walk enough to get your heart rate up and then get really mad while you're walking. Cause that's, we process stress hormones when we do that go take a towel and beat it against the wall. (laughs) That's a way, or, you know, go to the punching bag, get frustration, have a cry um, on your own. If you're feeling hurt, she said the next day, she's like, I feel so much cleaner and clearer 
I don't think I want to quit, but I want to have a really good conversation with my boss. She reached out to him, um, had a great conversation with the boss. He apologized. And what had happened is he had not processed some emotion that had to do with the incident with somebody else. So what had he done? He had he had shot out those feelings at an innocent person in this case, rather than processing it. And so the whole thing helped them and him recognize where he had the tendency to get frustrated or angry about something and then do something about it. Even sometimes at that ended up leaving some, um, some, you know, collateral damage in the wake. So that first step is acknowledge. Does that make sense to you? Or do you have any questions? about? Yeah, that? no, it really does. And I mean, I think the other thing too, that, um, that I think people struggle with right now is the tendency to want to label feelings as good or bad. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, part of acknowledging your feeling and being able to label the feeling is also not, not judging yourself for having it. Exactly. And it's so a waste of energy. <laughs> right. and, and, you know, one of the things I see a lot with, with my students and sort of the younger um, rising professionals is if they're feeling sad or they're feeling depressed or they're feeling upset, they feel like they're not mastering the moment. Essentially, they feel bad about themselves. They don't want to feel that feeling. So they'd rather just sort of push it away or pretend it isn't happening, or they feel like it's a sentence on them, right? Like, Like this is saying something about me. I'm not capable enough to be handling this. And so I think your, your advice is really wise because when you just say, I am feeling this thing, then it's not defining you as a person. Instead of saying, you know, I am this thing, you're saying I'm feeling this thing and feelings come and go. So by processing it, as you just explained so beautifully, it allows space for it to kind of move instead of sitting there. So right. I, or I really to, like that. It gives us that pause between the feeling and the reaction. Because a lot of times when we're reacting out of especially intense emotion, we look back and we don't go, wow, that was my best action, my <laughs> best choice, my best decision ever. We yeah. go, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Right. Because we need a little bit of that pause. And that's a lot of what emotional regulation is about is learning how to create a little bit of pause um, between the you know, the, the event that, that, that has, has created a, a reaction in us. Um, the second thing that I think is also super important besides sort of acknowledging, honestly, I am feeling this and I'm going to process that emotion before I act from that so that I, um, so that I can make wiser decisions is to, I mean, the best way I can say it is to, it, it is to accept. <laughs> and that just simply means accept what's in your control and what's not in your control. And the best exercise I have for doing this is to draw a circle on a piece of paper, you know, like the size, if you have a big regular size piece of paper, draw about the size of a salad plate circle. And in the inside of the circle, write the things that are worrying you, frustrating you, scaring you, um, that you feel like you need to do something about that you have control over or that you can influence in any way. And then outside of that circle, in the middle of your paper, write the things that are worrying you, frustrating you, that um, are outside of your control. And every single time I have a client works with this process, they go, oh, a whole bunch of the things that I'm worrying about, a whole bunch of my energy and time and focus is is on things that are actually completely out of my control. And I'm hyper-focusing on stressors, like, oh, I wish it wasn't like that. 
in stressors that are often out of our control, which is a complete waste of time. We end up tantruming, right? It's like, I want it to be a beautiful day today like it was yesterday, but it's going to rain and get really cold. So if I walked around all day having a tantrum saying, make it stop, I want the weather to change. You'd be like, that's ridiculous. You're a toddler. We can't change the weather. Yet that's what a lot of us do when we walk around complaining and wailing and gnashing our teeth about these stressors that are out of our control. Amen. <laughs> Exclamation point. Yeah. So that's just, it's just, a, it's, it's not just a, you know, again, it's not just missing anything. It's just getting clear in your mind. Oh gosh, I'm reacting and having all kinds of wasted energy and emotion and frustration and uh, focus and time on things that I ultimately can't control right now. How do I better focus on those things in the circle that are within my sphere of influence that I can do something that matters? I have some agency over and then the third thing, the tools. So we, we're going to ag- acknowledge and process feelings. We're going to accept what's within our control and without of our control. And then number three is to use that fabulous tool in our brains called reframing. Um, because, you know, a lot of why people feel that stress and overwhelm right now is this thing called the normalcy bias, which says it's this way our brain does where it says, I want things to go back to the way they were. <laughs> mm-hmm. Things are always better when they're the way they used to be. And that normalcy bias is meant to keep us safe, but it's really unsophisticated and it causes us to sort of often stay stuck when things are changing um, that we have no control over, <laughs> like, you know, a global pandemic, for instance. We, with that normalcy bias in place, we want to go back to the th- way things used to be, but there is really no back, right? So people will talk about a new normal. So when I'm that, that third way, reframing is the way that we can tap into our brain's superpower, which is much stronger than that normalcy bias, which is its ability to be adaptable and mm-hmm. to change meaningfully and to be flexible. And so reframing, a lot of times we're like, right, that sounds great, but how do I do it? All it is, is taking a set of a situation that's triggering a set of emotions or frustrations or a reaction in you. And and shifting the perspective in a way that makes it potentially more helpful. So when I tell people to reframe, here's some of the ways that I advise them to do it. Um, If I'm really feeling stuck and it's like, oh, I've got this situation, but I can't, you know, I feel so frustrated with it. I think who's the person that, that I respect and adore and I see being successful in all kinds of different situations. Can I imagine or pretend they're in the same situation? How do they think? What do they say? How do they react? What do they do? That's a really powerful reframing tool. Another reframing tool I like is called the tens. And that just broadens my perspective. Is this going to matter in 10 minutes, 10 months, 10 years? <laughs> and it just gives me that. If you think about like, you know, it's the, you're watching a movie and you're in the close up, and it's just kind of, um, you know, it's the zooming out to the bigger picture. Um, the tens is a very effective way to do that. Another reframing tool I use is called my future self. How will my future self appreciate what I'm doing right now? (laughs) Mm. Is my future self going to be glad? So if I'm saying, you know, oh, I'm just tired. I don't even feel like exercising today. It's like, well, at the end of the day, is my future self going to be glad that I moved my body, that I got some stress hormones metabolized, um, that I, you know, got my muscles alive. Is it going to be glad I did that? Or is my future self, you know, and that helps me reframe from, I don't want to do it to, oh, my future self is going to be really glad I did that. And then, and then finally, my favorite probably of all the reframing tools is just simply asking myself the question, 
um, is this helpful, right? And I had another quick example of a, an executive client I was working from, and she was very frustrated with the situation at her kid's school. And she kept saying, they don't know what they're doing with school. And, and I, I'm so frustrated. The district just doesn't know what they're doing. And she kept repeating that. And I said, I'm just going to pause you. Is that thought helpful? And she said, no, but it's true. (laughs) But sometimes things that are true are not helpful because what I see happening is your blood pressure raising and you spinning and spinning and spinning. So she paused. I said, let's just try to see if there's another more helpful thought. So she said, well, I guess they're doing the best they can. She said, maybe that's more helpful, but it's true. And then she paused and went, oh, wait a second. What I really want, her daughter's name is Katie, is for Katie to get something out of this semester. I want her to learn something. I want her to have something memorable. That's what I really want. And as soon as she said that, boom, her mind went into action. And she developed plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. Because she's like, whatever the district does, here's the things that I'm going to put in place or that we're going to put in place as parents to make this semester somewhat memorable and meaningful for my kid. And I said, there you go. That's reframing from that unhelpful thought. The district doesn't know what the hell it's doing (laughs) to here's what I really want. And where can I take action? What's in my locus of control? What's in my circle of action that I can do? So that's just a good example of how reframing our thoughts from the ones that may feel true, but if they're really unhelpful, they're spinning us out stressing us out, keeping us stuck, wearing our battery down. So those are the three main tools. Acknowledge, accept, acknowledge your feelings and feel them, accept what's in your control, what's out of your control, and then reframe thoughts from the ones that are not particularly helpful. Oh, it's so terrible for these kids. They're never going to be the same. Life is so tough. You know, whatever those are in your world to something that's more helpful, that's generative. I love that. I love, I love this process and it's so doable and it's, it's so practical, right? Even people who want to resist, it's like, I I want to resist. I just want everybody to, the world to change and make things easy and go back to normal again. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. But you know, I think the other thing that's really important about this is that, um, it's like, building a muscle in a way. Mm -hmm. And so even though there's steps here, there's three steps and you can do it. I still feel like, especially with reframing, Mm -hmm. it is so important that we encourage people to do this for themselves Yes, and that we do not. um, And this goes back. I know I'm like really stuck in this space of not making things overly simple for others. um, Mm -hmm. But you know, reframing. So being able to reframe something saying, okay, this is in my, this is within my control. And this is how I'm going to look at it. Like the example you just gave makes perfect sense. But when you look at somebody who's feeling, you know, kind of unmotivated or helpless or or frustrated, and they're kind of just in that despairing place and stressed out and overwhelmed for them to be able to go through the process for themselves and not have someone else say to them, oh, well, here's what you need to do, or, oh, here's how this works, or, oh, it's actually going to be okay because of all these reasons, but to let them from inside figure out how to do this and to walk through this process, it it builds the ability to do that. It builds that resilience to know that we are adaptive. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think what I love so much about that third step is that if people will do it, they start to see, oh, I can 
do a lot more than maybe I think I can. I am mm-hmm. capable of a lot more than maybe I knew I was. And yeah, we really are wired to thrive. Yeah, we are wired to thrive in these situations. And adaptability is one of, I mean, we, our brains literally, I mean, we have these ruts in our brains that make them efficient to think and do the same things and have to not have to think too hard about it. But we also have this neuroplasticity in our brains that make them uh, wired literally for times exactly like this for to be able to pivot and to deal with the plot twists and to, and then that's what makes life interesting, right? It's not always fun. It can be really challenging, but that's the richness that we get woven into our life is the stories of adaptability, of perseverance, of grit. Um, and we just, and if we can be willing to do that, um, there's, there's some really meaningful things that can come out of even these times of chaos. So thank you for having me come chat about it today. It was oh my really gosh. Fun. It was so, so helpful. And to, to my listeners, if you didn't grab a piece of paper and pen when Jill advised you to, I know you're regretting it right now. So don't panic um, because the, the three steps will be detailed in the show notes and um, the episode will be transcribed. If you do want to reach Jill, she is truly a brilliant coach um, and consultant. Jill, how should people get in touch with you? The easiest way is to just go to my website at jillfarmercoaching.com. And if you have an organization or a company that wants to come uh, help your people with stress and time management, this is what I love to do. Even in these really chaotic times, I think learning these tools helps us, as you said, build muscles that can strengthen us when life returns to, quote, more <laughs> normal or what we're used to as well. So um, thank you. Always, I love, 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 love any conversation I have with you. I, I really appreciate you putting out boldly stated into the world um, because it's full of such good information for everybody. And it was an honor to be able to be here and chat with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. And um, for everyone out there, if you are enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, please take a minute and rate it for the show to grow. You need to let your friends know about it. And um, if you're loving it, give us some love back. You can reach me at Kim at boldlystated.com. And we are introducing a new segment where I will answer a listener's question every week. So don't be shy. Ask your questions. Let me know what you're thinking. And as always, you do not have to agree with me to be heard. Uh, Until next time, stay bold. This is Kim Balorchi. You've been listening to Boldly Stated.